0: From Maine Public Radio and mainepublic.org, I'm Robbie Feinberg with the news on This Day in Maine, Thursday, February 8th, 2024.
1: This Day in Maine is made possible by listeners and by Eastern Basements, a division of Maine-owned Eastern Mold Remediation. Offering crawlspace repairs and waterproofing. EasternBasements.com
0: The state commission investigating the Lewiston shootings on Thursday zeroed in on the response by local law enforcement and its frantic search for the gunman. As Steve Missler reports, at one point officers with the Lisbon Police Department described searching a recycling center parking lot, but not the tractor trailer where the shooter's body was ultimately found.
2: Officers from the Lisbon and Lewiston Police Departments described a chaotic scene in the aftermath of Robert Card's rampage as they chased down tips and concerns from residents who mistook loud booms for gunshots and bleeding goats for screams. As law enforcement units converged on a Lisbon boat launch where Card's abandoned vehicle was found, Lisbon police detective Richard St. Amant took a small team to search the parking lot of a recycling center where Card had been employed. St. Amant and two other officers were lightly armed, just sidearms, as they searched the trailers. St. Amant said they decided not to do an exhaustive search after they realized that card was heavily armed, and they were vulnerable as they searched the pre-dawn hours of October 26th. Tactically, it w- probably wasn't the best for us to be searching in this manner, in- looking into trailers where basically your your you know upper torso and head are, are made readily available almost immediately. Card's body was found two days later in one of the trailers. An autopsy report said he died between eight and 12 hours before his body was discovered. Commission members also questioned why a canine unit from Topsom was not used to search for Card, but Lisbon officers said it was because the Maine State Police had taken over the investigation and had their own canine team. The commission will interview officials from the State Police next week. For Maine Public Radio News, I'm Steve Missler.
0: Thursday's arguments in the U.S. Supreme Court over former President Trump's access to the Colorado ballot will have direct implications for a nearly identical legal battle here in Maine. Maine Public State House correspondent Kevin Miller was listening to the arguments, and he joins us now to talk about what they might mean for Maine. Hi,
3: Kevin. Hi, Robbie.
0: So, Kevin, perhaps we should start off by reminding listeners about what's happening here in Maine and how it does relate to this Colorado case.
3: So last year, four voters here in Maine challenged Trump's eligibility to participate in the state's Republican primary under the insurrection clause of the U.S. Constitution. And that's the same exact clause that's at the center of the Colorado case. Secretary of State Shanna Bellows then ruled that Trump's name shouldn't appear on the ballot because of his role in the January 6th attacks on the U.S. Capitol. The two sides presented almost identical evidence in both Colorado and Maine, and Secretary Bellows based most of her decision on the Colorado Supreme Court decision barring Trump from the ballot. Now, our process is different than Colorado's, and as a result, the case here in Maine hasn't reached the U.S. Supreme Court yet. But again, the constitutional issues are pretty much the same, and Trump's campaign appealed Secretary Bellas' decision in state court, and both a superior court judge and Maine's highest court have basically put the case on hold until the U.S. Supreme Court rules in Colorado.
0: And did Maine come up at all during today's oral arguments?
3: No, it didn't. But the justices were clearly thinking about how this Colorado case would affect ballot access in other states. There were a lot of examples of justices raising these concerns with the attorneys representing Colorado's side of the case. And here's just one in which we hear Justice Kagan going back and forth with attorney Jason Murray, who was representing Colorado voters who had challenged Trump's eligibility.
1: What's a state doing deciding uh, who other citizens get to vote for for president?
3: Colorado is not deciding who other states get to vote
0: for for president. It's deciding how to assign its own electors under its Article 2 power. And the Constitution grants them that broad power Well, but the effect of
1: that is obvious, yes? No,
0: Your Honor, because different states can have different procedures. Some states may allow insurrectionists to be on the ballot.
3: And like I said, that was just one of multiple examples of this line of questioning that we heard. Yeah, and
0: what do you think we should take away from those kinds of exchanges?
3: Well, yeah, I'm certainly not an expert on the Supreme Court, and I'll leave that analysis to the Nina Totenbergs of the world. But it seemed pretty clear to me and to many other observers that both the conservative justices and the liberal justices were really uncomfortable with this idea that one state, in this case Colorado, should decide who can run for president. Some of the justices really seemed to suggest that this could disenfranchise voters in other states, while other justices raised the specter that other states would respond by removing other candidates, presumably President Biden, from their ballots. And they were basically saying that this could create an even more chaotic system as we head into November. Uh, But we have no idea how the court will come down on this, and whether that decision will be narrowly tailored to apply only to Colorado, or whether it will apply to other states like Maine.
0: So you mentioned earlier that the ballot case here in Maine has been put on hold pending the outcome of this Colorado case at the Supreme Court, and the Republican primary is coming right up here in Maine. So what will all of this mean for GOP primary voters here in the state and, and what they can actually expect to see on their paper ballots?
3: So early absentee voting is already happening in Maine. It actually started this week, and Trump is listed as one of the candidates on the GOP ballot. Secretary of State Bellows had suspended enforcement of her decision because she she knew that there would be appeals. And while she had urged the state courts not to wait until the Supreme Court ruling on the Colorado case, that obviously didn't happen. I will just add that in the seemingly unlikely scenario that the Supreme Court rules that Trump is ineligible to run in Colorado and therefore in Maine, election officials would have to post notices inside the voting booths saying that a vote for Trump wouldn't count. But we would cross that bridge when we got to it.
0: And has Secretary Bellows said anything about the arguments today?
3: Yeah, so I checked in with her office and was told that she wasn't doing any interviews this afternoon. But obviously they were paying attention. And in a statement from her office, Bellows said that she welcomed a Supreme Court ruling in the Colorado case and that she hopes the ruling will, quote, answer the important 14th Amendment questions for all the states.
0: Yeah, and I guess the big question is what does happen from here?
3: Well, I guess we all kind of sit back and wait. It seems that there are so many different avenues that the Supreme Court uh, could go down with this ruling. And there are other cases still pending, including this other big federal case about whether Trump should somehow be immune from prosecution for anything he did as president. But whatever the Supreme Court rules, the courts here in Maine have instructed Secretary Bellows to revisit her December decision based on that ruling.
0: And that's Maine Public State House correspondent Kevin Miller. To hear more of Kevin's reporting, head to our website, mainepublic.org. In other news, a 2020 study found that Maine state employees earned 15 percent less than their private sector counterparts and 11 percent less than other public sector workers. Four years later, state officials say the employee pay gap has been closed. Nicola Grisco reports.
4: Wages for state workers have gone up 24 percent over the last five years. And though Kirsten Figueroa, commissioner of the Maine Department of Administrative and Financial Services, Acknowledge that
3: salary increases haven't solved everything. It's time to set aside the phrase pay gap and acknowledge the actual progress in pay and benefits that the Mills administration has championed and, with the legislative support, delivered.
4: Starting in July, about half of the workforce is eligible to advance to a new higher step on the state's classification pay scale, potentially qualifying them for another 4% raise. Figueroa says the state also created a $15 minimum starting wage for all employees and expanded paid parental leave from four to six weeks. But the Maine Center for Economic Policy, a progressive advocacy group, says private sector wage increases have outpaced those raises for state workers over the last four years. And state workers told members of the legislature that they're still struggling to make ends meet. They say the raises haven't gone far enough to fill widespread vacancies across state government. For Maine Public Radio News, I'm Nicola Grisco.
0: Meanwhile, the legislature is considering a $165 million emergency bill to fund a new compensation system for state employees. At a hearing on Thursday in Augusta, a Department of Transportation technician testified that he works seven days a week and has a second job because he can't pay his bills on his state wages. Ferry Service Captain Aaron Sheridan says he's piloted a $15 million vessel with passengers for 19 years, yet other crew members are given larger stipends or retention bonuses. I just want to be treated equally and fairly, considering my personal efforts and the efforts of other captains.
2: Dedication to my job and to the island communities has been my utmost importance to me. I hope you can see that. We have specialized skills, licenses, and experience that we bring to the table. Pay us and
0: treat us accordingly. Please ask any naysayers to do their research and recognize our worth. Other state employees testified that one in six positions in state government are vacant because wages aren't high enough to attract and retain workers. A third facility is open to help Mainers apply for federal disaster relief from December's severe wind and rainstorm. The Federal Emergency Management Agency says the new disaster recovery center is located in the Lewiston Armory, with staff available to assist with applications and loan services. Two other centers opened earlier this week in Rumford and Skowhegan. The centers are open seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Residents of Oxford, Franklin, Somerset, Kennebec, Residents of Oxford, Franklin, Somerset, Kennebec, and Androscoggin counties are eligible for federal assistance. Proposed changes in care reimbursement rates are intended to benefit hospitals, but one Southern Maine facility says it will cause financial harm. York Hospital says it could face $8 million in losses. The Maine Hospital Association acknowledges that York Hospital would be hardest hit under the proposal, but still supports the changes. Patty White reports.
1: Under the reforms, Maine hospitals would be taxed at a higher rate. It may sound counterintuitive, but those higher taxes would allow the state to draw more federal dollars to raise reimbursement rates and give many hospitals an overall boost. But not for York Hospital, says President and CEO Patrick Taylor.
2: I'd like to believe that if DHSS and even the Governor Mills fully understood
0: the detrimental impact that this proposal would have to both York Hospital and the communities we serve, that this decision wouldn't stand, that this proposal wouldn't stand.
1: Taylor says York Hospital would have to pay an additional $2.4 million each year in taxes. And he says they wouldn't see the benefit from higher reimbursements because the hospital doesn't have a large number of main care patients, and that already causes reimbursement issues. So much so that for years, the hospitals received an extra $5.6 annually from the state. But under the new proposal, that funding would expire in five years.
2: So now we have 2.4 from the tax increase, and the reimbursement's going to go down by $5.6 million. Now you have $8 million of additional negative impact to your hospital. That's huge. Let there be no doubt.
1: If there's an $8 million hit to York, whether it's now or five years from now, that is a significant threat to their viability. Stephen Michaud is president of the Maine Hospital Association. He says other hospitals, mostly small critical access facilities, would also see negative effects from the proposal. York would be hurt the most, Michaud says, but the MHA still supports the reforms. Because of all of the money that is coming into the state, that benefits so many hospitals, that is so needed, especially coming out of the COVID pandemic, we got to yes because of the agreed-upon five-year reprieve for York. Michaud says that reprieve will buy time to figure out how to improve the situation for York. If there isn't a solution, says York Hospital President Peter Taylor, he would have to cut staff by 20 percent to account for the $8 million hit. For Maine Public Radio News, I'm Patty White.
0: Many school districts are projected to receive more money from the state for the upcoming school year, but some are already planning for budget gaps. Portland Superintendent Ryan Scallon told a public forum this week that the district is expecting slightly more state funding this year, but still faces some serious budget challenges, such as rising salaries and health care costs and the end of federal COVID relief funding, which provided more than $9 million last
3: year. Good news relative
2: um, to what was anticipated. Not great
3: news in terms of need um, and future funding of the district on this.
0: Governor Janet Mills said in her State of the State address that she's proposing an additional $23 million in general aid to schools this year to ensure the state can provide its required share of 55 percent of education spending. And Governor Mills has nominated Robert Carey of East Booth Bay to serve as the new superintendent of the Maine Bureau of Insurance. In the early 2000s, Carey was the director of a Massachusetts state-based insurance marketplace, which served as a blueprint for the Affordable Care Act. Since 2008, he's worked as a consultant and has advised more than a dozen states on their insurance markets. If his nomination is approved by lawmakers, Carey will oversee insurance policy, markets, and regulation in Maine. And that's today's Maine news. For more stories, visit mainpublic.org. And coming up on Maine Calling at 11 o'clock on Friday morning, we'll take a deep look at the history and tradition of snowshoeing in Maine. I'm Robbie Feinberg. Thanks for listening.